What up, what up, what up? Welcome back to Sam Dunks, the weekly NBA show over at Slab Stocks. I'm your host, Sam. Uh, please give us a follow on Instagram at Slab Stocks. Subscribe on YouTube and subscribe to our newsletter by navigating to slabstocks.com and entering your email address. Uh, big show today. We are jumping right into the 2018 NBA draft. Last three weeks, I covered the 2019 draft. Uh, at least maybe the next two or three weeks. I'm not really sure how long it's going to take. We're covering 2018. It's a much deeper draft than the 2019 draft, and there's really a ton to be excited about. Uh, so this week, we're just climbing through the first seven picks of that draft, uh, evaluating each player's on-court performance, some of the factors surrounding them on their respective teams, and then finally evaluating the current prices going on eBay, whether you should be buying, selling, or holding. And again, I'm just evaluating each player's Prism Silver Rookie cards. This week, we'll be looking at all PSA 10s. Um, again, it's not that that's just the only card I want you to be investing in. Uh, I just need a card to evaluate you know, all of the players as a baseline for comparison's sake. So with the first pick in the 2018 NBA Draft, the Phoenix Suns made a mistake. Uh, but it was a selection that they almost had to make. The hometown boy out of the University of Arizona, DeAndre Ayton. Uh, he's a big fella, six foot eleven, two hundred fifty pounds. You know, just size that you don't really see all that often anymore. Uh, he was suspended for the first twenty-five games of the season after testing positive for a diuretic. And after returning, all he did was average nineteen points, twelve rebounds, and one point seven blocks per game while shooting fifty-five percent from the field and seventy-seven percent from the free throw line. Not bad. Uh, now, Aiton's always going to be compared to Luka Doncic since he was selected first and Luka was still on the board. And, and so he's always going to carry that comparison moving forward, which is really too bad because 19-12 you know, and almost two blocks from your second-year center, that would be considered a home run in most drafts, just not so much when you compare him to the guy that went two spots after there. So not going to do that today. Don't want to compare them at all. Instead, we're just going to consider what Aiton has done and where he can go from here. So again... 19, 12, 1.7, efficient shooting. That's all good. My only question is, where can he go from here? You know, he's had this odd fascination with playing power forward. Last year or last fall, he was quoted as saying that he was born and raised to play power forward. And, and that's fine. I'm happy for you. I'm happy he used to play that. But he is just clearly not a power forward in the NBA. In his career, he's attempted seven threes and he's made zero of them, which is a stat that would make Ben Simmons proud. But Really not your prototypical modern big man. Uh, sticking as a center, I think he could easily average 24 points a game. And if he's averaging 24 and 12, that's really good. He would have to get to the line a little bit more since he only averages two and a half free throws per game. He'd also have to up his usage a little bit. But I think both those things are doable. Um, but also I think his ceiling is a little bit limited because his game is so dependent on living so close to the hoop. 70% of his shots are within 10 feet of the hoop. On the other end, on defense, he's improved quite a bit. Only blocks at a 4.5% rate, which is kind of Jonas Valanciunas territory. So you want that to come up a little bit. But on the whole, he was pretty good defending the rim. He defended the second most shots in the NBA last year. But players were shooting 7.5 percentage, uh, percentage points worse when they were playing against him. Not elite, but pretty good, especially when you consider defense was one of his question marks coming into the league. Uh, this past season, the Suns were ninth best defense in the league when he was on the court and 20th ranked defense when he was off. So all told, uh, pretty good defense. Not elite, but pretty good. So in two seasons, Aiton's only played 101 games, and obviously uh, there are lots of reasons for that. Uh, but what it means is that we still don't quite know what we have from him or where we're going to go from here. 
Now, year three is going to be a huge year for him, especially for us evaluating his prospects as a card investment. Now, the Suns are clearly planning on building around him and Devin Booker, so he's going to get plenty of opportunities. Um, but next year, we're going to learn a lot about if his ceiling can go any higher, if he's just going to be a steady 20 and 10 diet type of guy. I do have my doubts about his future ceiling as regards his card value. Uh, traditional sell, uh, center, and that does deflate his value quite a bit. Um, I don't really understand that. You know, I know I just know a lot of people aren't interested in buying centers cards for whatever reason, and demand dictates value. I don't necessarily agree, um, but that's just the way the, it is right now. Um, he's uh, doesn't shoot very much, you know, doesn't shoot threes at all. He's never going to pass up Devin Booker as the first option on his team. So kind of a limited ceiling. His PSA 10 Prism Silver Rookie cards have been going for $140 to $150 lately, which is a 30% increase since the season was cut short. Uh, so at this point, I don't think I'm buying. I'm not the biggest believer in his long-term value, especially since we're not getting a discount. I do think he's going to have a long NBA career. And hey, if he can average, you know, if he can be a top five to 10 center and for four to five years and average, you know, 24 points, 12 rebounds and two blocks, you know, there's a lot to like. And I still do like a lot about him as an NBA player. I just think I don't really know what to do with him as a card investment. Now, there's still just a lot of question marks around him. But hey, if in a few years the, the Suns can make a of the playoffs and he can make an all-star game, then maybe $150 is a steal. Uh, it's just kind of a tough one to project for a variety of reasons. If you have a different perspective on him, I'd love for you to sound off in the comments and let us know. I do feel more comfortable projecting the next player, the second pick by the Sacramento Kings, out of Duke, Marvin Bagley. This is not hindsight when I say this. The Kings really messed up this pick, and that was the case in the moment as well. I was listening to a podcast recently with John Hollinger, the, the GM of the Grizzlies at the time. According to him, every draft room in the top five was celebrating the pick because they all knew a good player would slide one more pick than they really should since none of them were planning on drafting Marvin Bagley and none of them saw him as a top five player. This is what we have in Marvin Bagley. He is a power forward that can't shoot outside of 10 feet. He only shot 25% on such shots last year. A career 29% three-point shooter. Just not good. Uh, the Kings can't cover these deficiencies by moving him to center because he cannot be relied on to anchor a defense and he can't protect the basket because he's not a good defender. Literally every single metric you pull up paints him as a bad defender. He can score. He can rebound. I think he's going to continue to do those things well. Uh, but outside of that, he's seriously a limited player. Long term, I think he's a bench big, you know, first off the bench type of guy, lead scorer on a second unit. Uh, will the Kings do that? Probably not for a while, because why would they punt on the number two overall pick so quickly? I just don't think it's ever going to work out too well for him, and he's going to continue to scuffle and probably going to become somewhat irrelevant pretty soon here. Now, the same caveats apply that I mentioned uh, for Marvin, uh, for DeAndre Ayton. Uh, Bagley has only played 75 games, so not even a full season's worth of games in two seasons. He's been injured a lot. This past season was particularly frustrating on that point. And you know, we haven't seen a ton from him, even when he has been out there. He hasn't been you know, particularly healthy. Uh, but at some point, the injuries have to just become a big concern. You have to wonder if he's ever, ever going to be healthy for a full season. When you combine that with the on-court concerns, you can see why I'm so out on him as an investment. His PSA 10 Prism Silver Rookie cards have been auctioning in the $120 range for the past several days. And if someone was offering me $120 for my PSA 10, I would overnight that package and not even think twice about it. Maybe you think I'm not giving him enough of a chance. 
I just don't see how he's going to fit in today's NBA. And at the end of the day, I don't want to lose you money. So my thumb is firmly pressed down on the sell button when it comes to Marvin Bagley. All right, moving on to the best player in the draft. I'm going to get those negative thoughts out of my head with Luka Doncic, who went number three to the Dallas Mavericks. What an amazing deal. I really don't think we need to spend a whole ton of time on this guy. He's all-time trajectory. He's so much better than every single other player in this draft. Uh, top 10 in most of the really important offensive metrics. 28.7 points, 9.3 rebounds, 8.7 assists, just over a steal. Yeah, he only shot 32% from three on nine attempts per game, but he was still easily a top five offensive player in the league, even with that being the case. If he could nudge that closer to 35%, he's completely unstoppable, and he's pretty much there already. His PSA 10 Prism Silver Rookie cards auction over $2,200 right now, which is a ton of money. And I would probably never spend that much on a card myself, but I am, because I'm pretty conservative with my money, uh, but long term, probably still a good deal. Assuming most of you can't afford that, I really would be looking into any of his other cards. He figures to be alongside Giannis and Zion over the next decade or so as faces of the NBA. And, you know, like with Giannis and, and LeBron, I think any card you get of Luka is probably going to gain some value as we go on. So I would buy all day long if you can afford it. Uh, differentiate your portfolio. Don't just buy all Luka, but, you know, you should try and own at least a few shares of him. Uh, Optics, Select, Prism, they should all be continuing to rise over the coming years. Uh, I'm not going to spend any more time on him because I think it's obvious he is a buy. With the fourth pick, Memphis Grizzlies selected Jaron Jackson Jr. out of Michigan State. Exact opposite of Marvin Bagley in literally every single way. He can play center. He can play power forward. He can shoot six threes a game and hit a 40% rate like he did this year. He can block shots at a 5% clip with 1.6 blocks per game as he did this year. He can score only 28 minutes per night, only average 17 points, but per 36, that's 22 points. Uh, he's not as good of a rebounder as Marvin Bagley, but literally better in every single other category. Uh, he's not a tremendous defender outside of his shot blocking, but he is athletic and he's switchable. And he, if he puts on a little more weight and gets a little bit more experience as he get old, gets older, I think his defense is going to improve. Uh, still super young, not going to turn 21 until September, and he already has two seasons under his belt. Uh, so there's just a ton to like about him. Do you think that John Morant and he are going to make a good long-term pairing? I think so. Do I think he's going to make an all-star team? Yes, probably quite a few. And do I think he's going to be an all-NBA player? Yes, I do. And probably in three to four years, we're going to start seeing that conversation. Uh, so, you know, this is an extremely deep draft in, in high-end talent. And Jaron Jackson Jr. could really be one of the best players out of this draft. Uh, he had a great rookie season and wasn't as big of a leap forward as we were kind of hoping for. Um, but he and some of the other young Grizzlies, they look like they're going to be a really fun, exciting team moving forward. His PSA 10 Prism Silvers have been auctioning off at $180 around there, and I am absolutely hammering the buy it now button on him. I know Aaron's been sending out a ton of links on Triple J over the recent weeks, and you know I'd be racing to buy those. Um, I love Jaron Jackson Jr. as an investment. Hey, if you're looking for a new podcast to listen to, you should go check out Daddy Issues with Joe Buck and Oliver Hudson. Uh, just an unfiltered conversation held between a pair of working dads. They cover their hobbies, sports, marriage, and, and all the other issues that come up along the way. It's an unapologetic conversation. They're not worried about being politically correct. Uh, each week they have another big name on the show. They've had Bill Simmons, Mark Cuban, David Spade, A-Rod to name a few. 
Last week, I listened to their interview with Josh Dumel from Transformers and some other movies, and they're talking about parenting and tough love. And Josh said that when he was a kid, he was struggling in school, and his dad sat him down and said, Kid, nobody likes a dummy. And that's the kind of parenting I appreciate. You know, I think sometimes you just have to tell it like it is. You can't sugarcoat everything. You have to discipline, and that goes for so many areas of life. I appreciated that part of the conversation because that's kind of the discipline that I like to use, including in this show, Sam Dunks. You know, I don't like to sugarcoat anything. I'm not gonna lead you astray by talking up a guy that I don't think deserves it. I just try to tell it like it is. I'm pretty conservative with my money and I don't wanna make you lose your money any more than I wanna lose mine. So I'm gonna lay it all out on the line exactly how I see it. That brings us to the next player up for consideration. We kind of rapid fired through the last two players because I just like them a lot, didn't have much to talk about. Uh, kind of more of a nuanced discussion with the fifth pick of the Atlanta Hawks, Trey Young. Obviously, he's been really good offensively to this point, and I don't think that's going to change for another 10 years. He just about averaged 30 points, 9 assists, a steal, and 4 rebounds. Shot 36% from deep on 9 attempts per game. Uh, shot 86% from the line, so just really, really, really good stuff from the 21-year-old. The bad comes on the other side of the ball, where Trey Young is absolutely atrocious. There's just no other word for it. You know how in school you get an F and you really don't want your parents to find out in any case, but mentally you'd almost rather have a zero than like a, a 55 or a 60 because you know if you get a zero, it means you, you just didn't do the work. But if you get a 55, it means you tried and you completely failed. But then the catch-22 is that the difference between a 55 and a zero on your report card is huge. You know, zero can really just drag down your overall grade way down into the basement. Not only has Trey Young been an F on defense so far, he has been an absolute zero. Out of 516 NBA players this season, Trey Young ranked 516th in defensive impact, which is obviously bad. Now, when it comes to Trey Young, he's never going to get paid for his defense. He's never going to be hurting financially. He's obviously a max player because that's just how good he is offensively. The problem for this Hawks team comes in the roster construction around him. You know, I don't really care if a point guard is a bad defender. You know, even an all-time bad defender, you know, a lot of teams have been able to make that work. But you have to have the right combination of personnel around him, and the Hawks just aren't there right now. You know, there are a number of intriguing young players on the roster, but, you know, one of the more notable problems is John Collins. They'd like him to be the number two guy to Trey Young, but, you know, he's a guy that's best offensively as a five and best defensively as a four, which is opposite of what you'd like him to be. Um, but he is a restricted free agent after next season, and the Hawks are going to want to try and figure out really quickly if he's going to fit or if they need to trade him. And it's a tough situation. Even with Trey Young playing otherworldly offense, they still finished this year with the fourth worst record in the league at 20 and 47. Uh, they're just a long way away from winning, much less winning in the playoffs. I don't know if any of this will really ever matter with Trey. You know, he came into the league with a ton of popularity and the he has the skills that people gravitate towards. You know, that's what he has in spades. Fancy dribbling, flashy passes, limitless range. He has all that. But if the Hawks can't build a winner around him, I could imagine some sort of turn on him as he ages out of being that exciting young player. Um, you know, now, with that all being said, I'm still buying Trey Young. I think the popularity is through the roof. The scoring's terrific. I think he's going to continue to be at the forefront of the national conversation as a player. Uh, because of all that, you know, I think the cards will remain strong and in strong demand for a long time. 
His PSA 10 Prism Silver Rookie cards are auctioning in the $700 range, which, you know, that's still a buy to me. It's just not as firm of a buy as some of these other guys because I think on court, there's a very real ceiling for any Trey Young team. And I don't know how long the NBA media will be so forgiving for him if he just keeps on losing. So buy for now, but be well aware of the limitations and understand the risks involved. I like Trey Young, but I think there are probably some better values out there, even in this draft class, but he is still a buy. With the sixth pick out of Texas, the Orlando Magic selected Mo Bamba. And the results have not been good so far in his career. In his career, he's only averaged 15 minutes per game, 5.8 points, 5 rebounds, a block and a half. Uh, really not much else to write home about. He did attempt 1.73s per game this year, and he converted at a 36% rate, which is pretty good. Overall, though, his shooting is pretty bad. Shot only 47% from the field, which is bad for a big man. Um, and even his shooting at the rim and his mid-range were quite a bit down from last year. That all being said, you know, the advanced metrics still really like the guy, which, you know, maybe you think is an indictment on advanced metrics, but it's really just because his defense is so good. He's a top 20 defensive player in the league by a number of different statistics. And when he's on the court, the Magic are the second best defense in the league by defensive rating. When he's off, they are 15th. If you can envision a future where Mo Bamba and Jonathan Isaac are patrolling the Orlando front court for 30 minutes a night, that is the best defensive front court in the entire league. Now, both of these guys fit the John Hammond draft strategy to a T. You know, he loves these long, athletic big men that might take some time to develop but have huge ceilings. That's what he did with the Bucks. That's why he drafted Giannis 15th overall. It's also why he drafted John Henson and Thon McCurr in the lottery. So obviously doesn't always work out. Um, but still, there are some positive signs with Mo Bamba, you know, such as the three-point shooting that's kind of coming along, the defense being so good already. Um, I'm just not out on him, despite a forgettable first two years. It's going to be quite some time before he's a good starting center, but I still believe that it could happen. A big part of the reason he's been, he's seen so few minutes so far in his career is that the best player on the team also happens to play center. That would obviously be Nikola Vucevic. Uh, he's 29 years old, though, and he, he did just sign a four-year deal last offseason, but it wouldn't be shocking if the Magic traded him over the next year or two. In fact, I think that probably will happen, and that'll open things up for Bamba. Now, Mo Bamba could certainly not pan out, but I do like his potential as a player. Uh, his PSA 10 Prism Silver Rookie cards are auctioning in the $25 to $30 range, which, I mean, that's not a bad lottery ticket to hold on for a few years. If he doesn't pan out, and even if you couldn't absolutely sell him at all, you know, that's not a big enough loss to scare me away. So I'm saying I'm not saying that Mo Bamba is just absolutely going to pan out like I think some of these other guys will, but I also don't think he's a bust, and that's kind of what his prices are being, or his cards are being priced at right now. Um, so I'm buying Bamba, understanding it's really a gamble, uh, but I think it could be a smart gamble. Uh, plus, you know, I would just love to see this Magic team in a few years, uh, as particularly how good they could be defensively. The last player I have time to talk about today is Wendell Carter Jr. of the Chicago Bulls. He was picked seventh out of Duke, which uh, kind of low for his skill set, I think. He has been criminally underused by Chicago up to this point. You know, up until recently, the organization has literally demonstrated not even one iota of how to run a team, uh, not on the court, not in the front office, probably not even in ticket sales, just judging by the rest of it. Uh, they're one of the real laughing, laughing stocks of the league for the past you know, 10 years or more, and I'm not sure that they were really ever very self-aware to realize that. Of course, that's all changed recently when the Bulls moved on from their brain trust of Gar Pax, uh, of uh, Gar Foreman and John Paxton. 
Um, you know, we don't know what we're getting with Kornisovas or Eversley, but it's hard to imagine them being much worse than what the Bulls have been dealing with. Usually a new GM will come in and install a new coach and, and that one that they can work with and get along with. And although nothing has been announced, I would imagine the next domino to fall in Chicago is Jim Boylan. And that would be great news for these young Bulls players, especially Wendell Carter Jr. Here's a list of things that I think Wendell Carter Jr. can do. I think he can handle the ball pretty well, especially for a big man. I think he can pass. He can shoot threes, I think. He can defend the rim. He can defend multiple positions. This is what the Bulls have asked him to do so far. Stand still on offense so that he plays no part in the offense at all, and then constantly run away from the rim on defense so that his best defensive skill is effectively nullified. It's gotten so bad that he was asking to play power forward because the center position in Jim Boylan's scheme is essentially a write-off on both ends of the court. I feel really bad for the kid. He just had two years of development completely wiped off the board by Boylan's bad coaching. I'm very hopeful for this new Bulls regime, and I think Carter will end up really impressing a lot of people if he's given the opportunity to run a bit of the offense. Uh, I think he'll be able to stretch his game to the three-point line. I think he'll be able to anchor a pretty good defense. Um, you know, we don't really know if he's able to do all these things since he hasn't really gotten the opportunities, but I do believe that he's going to be a versatile and effective NBA big on both sides of the ball. So all that being said, I am buying Wendell Carter Jr., although that is kind of dependent on Jim Boylan actually being replaced by someone more competent. His PSA 10 Prism Silver auctions have been all over the place recently, as low as $20, as high as $70, and... You know, when the range is that wide in just a day or two, I kind of always look at it with a bit of a side eye. You know, maybe there's something fishy going on. Uh, you can look into that for yourselves. But hey, if Carter Jr.'s PSA 10 Prism Silvers can be won for 20 to 30 bucks, I think that's absolutely a risk that I'm willing to take. Uh, I'm buying on the lower end and then banking on his talent, winning out with a much smarter Bulls organization moving forward. Uh, fingers crossed, of course. All right, that's all I have time for today. Uh, a couple weeks ago, I was thinking I could cover this entire draft in one week, but I forgot how deep it was. So, again, looks like it's going to be two, maybe three weeks. Um, but, you know, we have some time to kill until the NBA comes back. So that's all right with me. Okay, thanks for tuning in. We'll see you next week. Hi, I'm Oliver Hudson. And I'm Joe Buck. And we are doing a new podcast together. It's called Daddy Issues. It's two guys with daddy issues talking about weekly topics and, and what's going on in their lives as dads, sons, brothers, as two, right. you know, adult males making their way through a coronavirus. <laughs> <laughs> Click on the link in the show description or subscribe in Apple Podcasts or wherever you get your podcasts.